There is an old adage that one should never meet their heroes because you will only be disappointed. According to a plethora of anecdotes found around the web, this old saying certainly seems to ring true. But what if the heroes in question were ones you dreamt up yourself? This is the story of Topa Mansuri, writers who got too caught up in their tales, and the mysterious sightings of comic book anti-hero John Constantine that have spanned more than a decade. And this is it came from the internet. Welcome back to the podcast for people who take everything they see on the internet too seriously. I'm Johnny. And I'm Shane. This week we are talking about what happens, I guess, when fiction becomes reality, but more specifically, what happens when you quite literally meet your heroes. Ooh. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, some housekeeping. Well, actually, there isn't really any housekeeping. I was just going to do the usual and ask at the start of the episode for people to leave a review on Apple or wherever you can leave reviews and uh, specifically Spotify a rating. I know ratings and reviews help greatly on Apple. I assume they have the same impact on other other sites. I assume so. Though as it stands, because this is, I think this is the first time we're recording where like there's actual, the, the feed's actually out there on, on podcast apps. And as of yet, it's still actually not on uh, Google Podcasts. So I hope that's not a problem. Oh yeah, hopefully you're listening to us there now. Yeah, but it's on, it's on most of the other ones anyway. So uh, if you can leave a review or just a rating on any of them, do that. And um, follow us on all the social medias, I guess, that I've yet to set up. <laughs> but uh, the, the rating and review is the most important part. Because uh, like I said, and you know, we're getting close to the, the possible end now. I'm only giving this like eight episodes and I'll pull the plug if we're not where I want to be by then. Yeah. And I'm not sure <laughs> I keep saying that, but I don't actually know where that is. I want it to be like, I have no, like <laughs> maybe like some big sponsorship deal or something. I don't know. Yeah. I'll know when we're there. I'll know if, if after yeah. eight episodes, if it feels like I'm where I want it to be. We'll continue, but if not, I'm uh, pulling the plug. <laughs> but you don't know what that is. What barrier I don't really is know what that, that is. No, I'll know what it is. Yeah, <laughs> you'll know. You'll know in your soul. You'll feel. You'll get that feeling, and you go, "Yeah, this this is worth it." But on the other side of it, I think you're really enjoying this. You're constantly texting me like, "Oh, I just thought of a cool idea for an episode." I just yeah. like, I was just reading this cool story. We do do an episode on this. Like you, you're getting really excited about it. Well, I feel like I kind of have to be, or I just won't do it. <laughs> like, well, yeah, that's true. Um, I kind of have to keep myself uh, motivated by looking up stuff and getting ideas um, <laughs> as well, because like we haven't really talked about this on any episodes yet. But as you well know, uh, we are kind of we kind of have to do this. There's a certain <laughs> a certain interdimensional interdimensional being is uh, making us do this. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to leave that hanging and not... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember for a while on Disaster Artists we had the joke that it was like a gypsy curse that forced us into the bunker or something. I'd forgotten about that. 
Um, no, it's the the seeker of knowledge himself is the one who. Uh, yeah, we we should acknowledge that too because people are asking about disaster artists if we're still doing it, and we are, but there are more pressing matters. Yeah, because the whole point of disaster artists is, is to keep people in knowledge of like how to survive certain disasters and we're currently in a situation here and this is our solution to it so <laughs> that's uh you know we're surviving here that's- see we're still in the bunker we're still recording from the bunker even though we totally acknowledge that we do this podcast <laughs> remotely and have done in the, with disaster hours for the last like few years now but we still allude we still pretend we're in a bunker but not sure where I was going with that. It's just, we, we kind of can't, we, we've never really kept our in-universe story straight on whether we're actually in a bunker or not. And that might just be intentional. <laughs> it's, it's all part of the ploy. But in anyway, we have this computer down here in the bunker and somebody, I'm not pointing any fingers, but somebody was trying to download like an old, a classic, their, their favourite Sasha Gray film from 2005. I don't, maybe I, I know I know too much about it but we ended up with this I guess you'd call it a computer virus and it turns out it's this interdimensional being called Gorgon Gorgon? Gorgon I would have pronounced it <laughs> yeah Gorgon is uh, Gorgon is something is that the Greek is that like Medusa is she a Grogon is that what they're called oh I've no idea anyway that's besides the point but uh, yeah, apparently this creature, he travels from universe to universe, just like learning everything about the world, each world. And uh, when he pretty much learns everything, he uh, just destroys the place and leaves. But because he got stuck on the internet, most of what he knows about this universe is uh, bullshit. So we have, we've made the agreement with him that if we uh, try and help him out uh, to deduct what's BS and what isn't, he will uh, leave our u- universe alone. So that's why we're doing it. We're trying to save the world, right? Yeah, by distinguishing what's real and what's not on the internet. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> we're doing it to save the universe. But still, if if we're not popular enough after eight episodes, we'll still abandon it. I mean, yeah, it's not worth the effort. <laughs> and the universe can just go fuck itself yeah. at that point. So, but that's why people have to rate and review because the universe is at stake, I guess. That's a, a good way to... To hold him hostage. Yeah, and he's, his full title is Gorgon, the Seeker of Knowledge, isn't it? Gorgon, the Seeker of Knowledge and Destroyer of Worlds. Yeah. He can't talk He's kind of like though. Brainiac. Sorry? I said he's kind of like Brainiac from Superman, but far more sinister. That's a good segue without you even knowing that you've done a segue into what we're actually talking about today. Because I don't know what our topic is. Yeah. Uh, well, you did mention Superman. Uh, yes. A fictional comic book hero. You don't know what we're talking about today, but being familiar with the internet, as most people our age are at this point, um, I'm sure you've come across, on your time online, you've come across uh, plenty of accounts of people who claimed to have have seen or encountered uh, like a, a paranormal creature, what some people might call a fictional creature. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so not aliens and ghosts, because like those, or a lot of people at least, will entertain an argument for their existence. But I mean like people who claim to have seen mermaids and feckin' werewolves and stuff. 
Or unicorns, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever seen an account of somebody claiming legitimately to see a unicorn, have you? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was just trying to think of, uh, I suppose Bigfoot's a big uh, cryptid. This. Yeah, yeah. Bigfoot again, not that I believe it, but like I put that more in the aliens and ghosts category. Whereas, okay, like, yeah, I it's think its own thing. Yeah, yeah, I think like when you when you start getting to like mermaids and unicorns and stuff, because but there are people that would claim that they've seen them. Yeah, but have you ever come across any accounts of people who have claimed to have had an encounter with a fictional character? No. <laughs> well, well. first of all, actually, kind of off topic, but have you watched uh, The Sandman, the Netflix series? Um, I've only watched the first two episodes, but I know the story. I've listened to the audiobook. Right. Uh, which is really cool, actually. I recommend it to anybody who's listening. Yeah, this, uh, I've, I've watched a few episodes of the series. It's good. I read the initial... F- first maybe i know a couple of volumes of the comic book run yeah. so i kind of i know the story so i'm not really pushed to go back to it yeah yeah got that um because it is it's like um sin city almost it's very like well some of it they changed a f- good few things but it is for the most part it's a very accurate adaption and you kind of really don't benefit from if you read books recently you don't benefit from yeah watching it, like <laughs> for, from so far what i've seen it's almost word for word like yeah seen it's a few small changes but pretty much one big change that i was very disappointed with is the absence of john constantine or constantine depending on oh yes american or british i guess um yeah so uh, constantine appears in the comic book but he is swapped out for joanna constantine yeah the series who isn't just a gender swapped version of John. She is a character in the comics as well, but she's an yep. ancestor. But they just uh, made it Joanna for the entire thing. The reason apparently being that there's a rights dispute because HBO Max are doing a Constantine show. Oh, okay. So they didn't want a new actor. And they've already had him in another series. That It was just going to be too confusing to have like fucking three yeah. Constantine actors. Uh, but I was still disappointed. Because I'm a big fan of that character. I've always liked it. He is a great character. But it did inspire me to uh, go back reading the Hellraiser comics, which are yeah. his own series of comics. Sorry, I mean Hellblazer. Hellraiser is another franchise entirely. And because I've only read like the first volume, say. And actually, you know what? We should probably explain. Well, I always do this where I just assume everybody knows these characters and stuff. So John Constantine, for people who, a lot of people might have seen the Keanu Reeves movies, actually do have a, a fairly good idea, but he's a he's a DC comic book character. Uh, he first appeared in Swamp Thing in 1985, and the main man credited with creating him is Alan Moore, but there are like five people who really created him. Because yeah. he was kind of like a small, he came into Swamp Thing in quite a small role at first, and then other people added on story to him. So they all kind of, it happens with comic book characters. A lot of people come in five years later and give them backstory that becomes yeah. part of the character. So they're credited as a creator. Like, I think is was in Wolverine like that. Yeah, he was, he was a villain in Hulk. 
Yeah, and they done um, that with him for like three years after yeah, that appearance. And then he was developed, and then they made him a hero, and it was like, oh, he wasn't a villain. It was, I can't remember whether he was brainwashed or it was a misunderstanding. Yeah, or, you know, they kind of they kind of went for a turnaround. No, he wasn't a villain. He was actually, yeah, yeah. Uh, working for someone or under the influence of some somebody or something like okay. yeah yeah but Constantine anyway kind of mostly uh, Alan Moore's creation and he's always been depicted as a cynical but like fun kind of witty working class uh, a Liverpool lad a working class Liverpool yeah. lad and he's an occultist uh, an occult detective and con man and just general rapscallion I guess I don't know <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good way to But um yeah, and it's his Hellraiser series or Hellblazer, sorry. Um yeah, and it's a it's a really good series. He tends to like his adventures kind of bring him around the world and he's not always he I think he operates out of London mainly, but he pops up in Ireland in comic books and all. Anyway, really good series. And his absence in The Sandman was very disappointing, but it was nice to like give me a reason to go back reading them. But I read the Hellblazer comic books years ago. So I completely, and I can't reread, once I've read a comic book, like I'll never go back to it. Yeah, um, yeah, I get you. So what I normally do when I forget where I am is I go on Wikipedia and read through the fictional character biography. Oh, of course. And yeah. once I get to a point where, oh, okay, I don't think I've got up to this part... Yeah. I'll find where, 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 what issue that storyline starts and then start from there. So I went on Wikipedia and I was having like a good browse through the John Constantine. Yeah. Uh, or Constantine. I keep switching the two. I would say Constantine. Yeah. Sorry. I would say Constantine. Yeah. I think it's time though. But anyway, it doesn't matter. So I was having a good scroll through there and you know, it's, um, it contains all the stuff. Have you ever gone through a fictional characters Wikipedia entry? Um, way too many times. It's great. It's great fun. It's I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. I'm always looking up characters. Yeah. Have you ever been on John Constantine's one? No. <laughs> okay. Well, it's like all the other ones. You know, it has the, the publishing history, his fictional biography, his appearance in other media. But at the very bottom of the page, there's one piece of information that you won't find on Batman or Superman's entry. And that's just, a, and it's a very small entry. And it's just called Real Life Sightings. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> see it would appear that John Constantine might not be a fictional character after all oh that's cool yeah well, now this is a weird one and now this isn't a huge topic it's going to be a quick enough episode but when I came across this I was just like oh my god we have to talk about this This before I even read any further because again it's a tiny entry I had to but I looked in looked up some other stuff that kind of relates to it but I was just like I just want to have a conversation about this because it's so funny and weird and cool so yeah there's people out there that claim to have seen John Constantine in real life not just random people though the first person who who claims to have encountered him was no other than Alan Moore himself I knew you were going to say that (laughs) (laughs) that's because you know you know Alan Moore you're a comic book fan (laughs) yeah he told Wizard Magazine in 1993, One day, I was in Westminster in London. This was after we had introduced the character. And I was sitting in a sandwich bar. 
all of a sudden, up the stairs came John Constantine. He was wearing a trench coat, a short cut. He looked, no, he didn't even look exactly like Sting. He looked exactly like John Constantine. He looked at me, stared me straight in the eyes, smiled, nodded, almost conspiratorially, and then just walked off around the corner to the other part of the snack bar. I sat there and thought, should I go around the corner and see if that really is him? Or should I just eat my sandwich and leave? I opted for the latter. I thought it was the safest. I'm not making any claims <laughs> to anything. I'm just saying that it happened. Strange little story. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> now this was that the first cosplayer, like you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like 1993. It's like there's not there's not cosplayers in 1993, were there? I'm sure there's people who dressed up as like Batman and Superman, yeah, like, Spider Man, like the big ones, but not like. No, I date very few people are like, oh, I'm going to dress up as John Constantine. <laughs> yeah, that's more like if you were going to cosplay in 1993, it certainly wasn't as John Constantine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like I don't know enough about the history of cosplay, but I suppose there's just some random guy just thought, that's a cool style, I'm going to copy that. Doesn't necessarily mean they're cosplaying. You know? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's, what's the difference between cosplay and like dressing up as a comic book character? A Halloween yeah. party. Yeah, that's it. Um, but I suppose a character like Constantine is, he's hes in street clothes. You know what I mean? He's not in fucking, he's not in a blue and red leotard. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. I mean, or spandex. He typically is just wearing a trench coat, maybe a shirt and tie underneath. Yeah. But yeah, it's, the, it's the... Blonde hair. And, yeah, the blonde hair is a big one. And he's usually unshaven yeah not a beard or anything but just he shaves twice a week at best like he's that kind yeah, of guy and and good looking but like every man good looking <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know what I mean he's not he's not Brad Pitt but you know then the pub the girls might look at him a little bit and go oh he's a nice looking lad you know he's a Brad Pitt would have been a very good <laughs> Constantine he actually would have been day. a really good Constantine yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in like in 1993 if they'd made a movie in 1993 well now this actually uh, wouldn't be Moore's only encounter with John Constantine okay so <laughs> this one's a bit funnier uh, years later while attending a magical ritual which might explain a lot here Moore says John Constantine stepped out of the darkness and spoke to him this time. Do you want to know what he said? Uh, dude, you've done too many mushrooms. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'll tell you the ultimate secret of magic. Any cunt could do it. <laughs> and, then <he> went, <laughs> and then he went away. <laughs> now, you could put this off. Well, actually, first of all, we, we should mention, yeah, you, you made a joke there about too many mushrooms. Alan Moore is very famously, well, like, he's very famously a bit odd. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And he's also a massive fan of drugs, at least psychedelics. Yeah. yeah. And he, yeah. I think he, descri- he he is pagan, like he believes in magic. Oh, yeah. yeah. And stuff. He is pr- one of the, like, 
best comic book writers that ever lived. Like, or just write. He's a great writer in general. Like, he's a very intelligent man, all that. But he is a he, yeah. he's a strange creature. Yeah, he's not. But I uh, a slight aside. I remember reading an article a bit by it must be ten years ago. It was when um, Watchmen movie was coming out, and I read an article with him, and it was basically him explaining why he'd never go see the movie and all this mm. kind of stuff. And basically, the journalist was trying to like get to the bottom of because he's isn't he's famously says he's never seen a film or adaption of anything he's written like he refuses well to. i he think he's, see, i think he doesn't see the point i think he's seen one i think he's seen the league of extraordinary gentlemen that was the first and last yes that might be the what the reason he know he doesn't anymore yeah, yeah and but anyway yeah so they were trying to get him to like give them sound bites and all that kind of stuff and instead, he spent the whole interview talking about his uh, hundred thousand page novel he was writing. I remember you telling me about this. And he hasn't figured out how to bound it or anything yet. But he's right. His, his mission was to write like the longest novel ever written or something like this. And the whole interview was him just going on about this particular story. And I I couldn't couldn't even tell you what. The story was about or anything. I can't remember. So, so long ago since I read this fantasy article. Thing, I just yeah, yeah. Because I, I wrote, I wrote my thesis in college on the adaptation of comic books to movies, and mm. then how technology with CGI and stuff was changing. Because how they're totally different mediums and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, so I used his article as like references and all that kind of stuff. But Jesus, like, he was just going on about this massive novel he was writing and that's he, he literally had isolated himself in his house for like eight years to just write this novel <laughs> and uh yeah he's just an oddball but yeah pretty cool pretty cool guy and a great writer <laughs> he seems really cool and he seems like a very nice person like i saw there's a great video of him when the occupy movement was going on occupy wall street yeah. and all that and it was some like piece for the Guardian or something, and they brought him to like just meet people at Occupy. They were all wearing because he wrote V for Vanetta and created the oh yeah the V mask or his art the artist he he worked with it or whatever. And like you know they were all wearing it. And the reporter points out how like he was clearly just unhappy about that because you know it's a Occupy Wall Street, but they're all wearing a mask that. Warner Time Warner gets like all the profits from every sale, and he does oh, yeah. um because he relinquished yeah. the rights or whatever. But she was saying like he was just way too nice to like bring it up with anybody, <laughs> and loads of people are telling him how much they loved the the Watchmen movie and stuff, not the comic book, but the movie. And he just like yeah, yeah. was too nice to say, well, I had nothing got to do with that. He was like, oh, glad you liked it. Even though he hates it, it was even being adapted. He's just too nice to oh, that's cool. be dismissive of anyone. Yeah, because he's, he's often given out about bad adaptions of his stuff, but it's nice that when it's the average fan, he's just like, oh, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, his yeah. problem is with the producers of it, not the fans. Yeah, yeah, that's good. At least he doesn't blame the fans for. And he's he also like he's seems like a very principled man, considering he like doesn't like when they adapt his work, he has his name taken off it and doesn't take any of the profits. He sends them all to the other people that worked on the comic book. Wow, 
because his thing is like, yeah, if I'm going to like give out about them and have my name taken off, I'd be a hypocrite if I still accepted the check. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Now, it's probably not a lot of money because, as yeah. you know, with comic book creators, they don't retain the rights to their stuff. That much. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose where he's getting money is when something like, say, the Watchmen movie came out, the sales of the the graphic novel probably blew up and he made money off that. Like, yeah, yeah. That's fair. He's even had his name taken off some comic books. Like, I think, is it Miracle Man or something? The third volume, I have it. And like, it's just, it's like art by Dave Gibbons or whoever, and then written by the author. Like when he asked, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Apparently <laughs> he's done that a few cool. times where he's just taken the, the name The Otter. <laughs> it's like a, what is this? Uh, is it Walter Smith or was it Smitty? Or? Walter Smitty or something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I the, can't remember what the it was. The director. Like, maybe. Yeah. The fake yeah. Direct, the director name. You Walter, take. I feel like Walter Smitty's wrong, but also it's something like that. Um, it doesn't matter too much. Yeah. I think the, the point point is that alan moore is a he's just a strange duck like that's the yeah point. yeah and so the fact that like somebody like alan moore ha- claims to have seen constantine twice isn't that unusual <laughs> yeah but what where things get a little weirder is that he's not alone and other writers and artists who worked on hellblazer make very similar claims Really? Yeah. So a uh, British comic book writer, Jamie Delano, claims to have encountered yeah. Constantine in a British museum once. Uh, and then Peter Milligan, also a British comic book writer, saw him at a party yeah. in 2009 and followed him up. So I'm going up to the roof, apparently, and followed him up to see if it was him. I love that. Yeah. To see if it was him as if like he's just a real person. And when yeah. he got to the roof, there was nobody up there. That's mad. And... Uh, one of my favourites, so American writer Brian Azzarello, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but he's pretty big. He, have you ever read or came across 100 Bullets? Oh, I haven't read it, but I've I've seen, like, yeah, I've seen it on the shelves. Cool. I've read a handful of it, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, but he read that. Uh, he saw Constantine in a bar in Chicago and was so startled by his experience that uh, he left. <laughs> Saying afterwards... The thing about John is, the last thing you'd want to be is his friend. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's almost like it sounds, sounds to me from what you've given me there is they have, as writers and stuff, because obviously, like comic book characters, they, they look a little bit different from depending who draws them and all that kind of stuff. But they, they have in their heads of what they think he looks like. Yeah. And that's who they saw. And I freaked the shit out of them because it's not just someone in the clothes and everything, but it's the facial features, it's the mannerisms, it's it's everything that you imagined he looked like. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then you see that in reality. I get how that would freak you out. Oh, yeah, yeah, it would. Because, you know, it's like, say you go to a con and there's like a guy in a really cool... Batman accurate Batman costume. You're like, oh, that's really cool, but he's not Batman. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because he yeah. doesn't look like how you think Batman should look like. Like his, his jaw is in the right mm. like, shape or whatever. Like you just think, yeah. You know, <laughs> you're like, you're like cool costume, not, oh my God, that's Batman. You know? Um, 
though, though as far as car- comic book characters go, he does have more of a distinct, like, I know what you mean, because, like, Peter Parker, like, nobody even knows what Peter Parker looks like in the comic books, because he's just generic looking. Yeah. And he always looks different, yeah, depending on who's, not even depending on who's drawn him. Like, some artists, like, the way they draw a character, like, out of costume anyway, can change over the years. Like, I left yeah. The only thing that uh, stays the same is like some, like the fact that, say, Matt Murdock, Daredevil, is like, always kind of has red hair. Or sometimes, yeah. no, sometimes he's just blonde, actually. But character like Constantine kind of has always, he, he definitely has a distinct enough look that has always remained. Yeah, I know what you mean. But yeah, you show me a picture of like Annie, like Bruce Wayne beside, I don't know, Steve Rogers. I won't know which is meant to be which, like. Yeah, it just depend on unless I, it just happens that it's from a comic by an artist that I've also like that I've seen. I read another issue that he done, you know. Yeah, because I haven't read comic books in years. If you showed me pictures of whoever is currently drawing both those characters, I won't be able to tell which was which. Like, I know what you mean. Yeah, without without seeing them in context. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you're dismissing the theory, I feel like, that it could have been a real John Constantine, are you? No, 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 that's where I'm going with it, is that it's, they were freaked out so much that they saw how they thought it, like, that, like, the point where they went, oh my god, that is him. Mm. That makes me think, oh, okay, so is there some supernatural thing going on where they're writing these stories because of some mysticism from his yeah adventures that he's actually having that they're witnessing them or is it he's from another dimension and or uh, another universe and his adventures in his universe have become fictionalized in our you know what I mean? yeah, that kind yeah. of thing um so I, I like that that's cool yeah it's an interesting one because i've never come across it before yeah. as in i don't think i've ever heard any uh, encounters with another fictional character yeah but you know maybe i will get to some later but right now let's focus on john constantine and some of the theories to explain his encounters yeah one is that um british occult writer uh, thomas slemon he did the theory is that he was actually one of the inspirations for the character and so all these mysterious and mysterious encounters might just be people seeing him uh, yeah <laughs> but he actually doesn't really look i think he was more because he's like a paranormal investigator and a cultist yeah. and he's also from liverpool just his personality was more the basis for the initial yeah. john constantine not how he looked this guy kind yeah. of looks more like Art Morangi. So. Oh, okay. Well, th- that's what I thought you were going to say when you were telling me the first story of Alan Moore, of like, oh, he, when you went, oh, I guess who, who saw him, I thought you were going to then tell me a story about Alan Moore saying he based him on a real person he met in his life. Right. Who he claims he's like, oh, this is a real guy. Obviously the name John Constantine I made up, but I couldn't tell you his real name, but this is what he does for... Right, yeah, and, it's, yeah, and the yeah. supernatural is real, or you know, I thought that's where it was going to be, where you were going to go with it. Yeah, I could, yeah, with, with Alan Moore, I could just as easily have gone that route. Yeah, but no, uh, uh, this guy as well, uh, Thomas Lemon, he 
says that he uh, wasn't actually the inspiration, that he didn't. Him and Alan Moore wouldn't have known each other at the time. I think they wouldn't have known each other yeah. since. But uh, another theory, of course, um, which alluded to in Moore's own statement, is that, well, because Constantine's physical appearance was based on Sting, the, the front man yeah. of the police, not the not the wrestler. Um, though that'd be really funny. <laughs> so they could just be uh, encountering Sting. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not realizing. Because yeah. this is actually another interesting thing about John Constantine. He's unique in that, or at least he was unique. Uh, so f- first of all, for people that aren't aware, he, he mainly, his Hellblazer series appeared under the Vertical publication, which is DC Comics, suppose they're more adult-orientated yeah. uh, universe. And in that continuity, his character aged in real time which isn't normal in comics, uh, which would make him actually roughly the same age as Sting. So whatever period these... Because Moore's sighting was 1993. The most recent one was like 2009. Uh, So if they were actually seeing Sting, he'd be aging the same way Constantine would have been in the Vertigo universe. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because the way it tends to go, like if you pick up... It's a while since I've read a new comic book, but they used to refer to like, say like the silver, silver age of comics that came out in like the sixties to those characters. That was, oh, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Not like 50, 60 years ago. It was always uh, like, a cause I know like if you, if you pick uh, last time I read an Avengers comics, probably about five or six years ago. And I remember and I was probably reading comics in graphic novels that were about three to five years old. And uh, like there was one where Iron Man went back in time to like say year one of Iron Man. And it was set about 10 years earlier, even though year one of Iron Man was like post Vietnam or something. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, it was like, yeah, his costume that it was in the sixties or the seventies. But to him, it was, he was like, oh yeah, it was 10 years ago. I yeah, was, yeah. I drank way more. It's the same as uh, like the Punisher used to be a Vietnam vet. Then he was a Gulf War vet. Then he was a Gulf War II yeah, vet. Yeah. And I think now exactly. it's just a special ops vet. <laughs> it's like, now we don't yeah, need yeah. We just, we can settle on that. Um, yeah. Well, is it like with comic books? Because like, it's, they come, well, it depends on the release schedule, but usually like an ongoing storyline like a spider-man storyline takes up an entire year of publication but it might be set over the course of like three days within his universe yeah because most come out say once a month and yeah the whole that whole story could be three or four days Mm. so they kind of the creators kind of stand to the idea that oh yeah that's how much time passed in that six months or that year or whatever that issue yeah but yeah, I think within the first year of Hellblazer, he has his 35th birthday in it. And five years later, he had his 40th birthday in it. Oh, and he's cool. continued to age. So I think they put him, well, Vertigo doesn't exist anymore, but uh, yeah. he was like, I think he got, they got him up to like 60 in the comics. Wow, really? Yeah. That's mad. I think that's what I, I'd read. And Sting is 70 now, I just searched. Uh, so like yeah. 10 years ago, yeah, they'd have been about the same age. So maybe they're just seeing Sting. Though <laughs> not in Alan Moore's case, because I think him and Sting 
are friends now. So like he would have just oh, yeah. seen his friend in a train station. Uh, <laughs> the, the thing there is like the way he says, uh, oh, you winked at him. Like yeah. knowingly winked at him. As in like. Well, that's what like, makes it sound like a, a cosplayer who recognized Alan Moore, but I still don't think there were people cosplaying in 93. Yeah. <laughs> I think Alan Moore is just not the best source. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Like, can you trust your sources? <laughs> well, do you want to hear about some other uh, fictional character encounters? Because this obviously made me go yeah. looking. So uh, bringing it back to uh, Sandman. Uh, yeah. Its creator, Neil Gaiman, claims to have met the version of Debt he created in the series. Uh, oh, yeah. Debt of the Endless is the, the, full, the full name. Uh, he claim, claims to have, I think he was served by her, <laughs> he claims, in a restaurant in London in 1989, uh, just a few wow. days after artist uh, Mike Dring, Dringenberg um, he, he's the artist for Sandman. Uh, just a few days yeah. after he sent him over the character design. Wow. Though <laughs> <laughs> I, I read this encounter and I just think, well, this is not unique at all because see, you listen to the audiobook, but have you seen Death in the comics, how she's depicted? No, I haven't actually, because yeah, I don't listen to the audiobook, so I don't know what okay, she's so supposed to look like. Picture, mm, Annie, picture any girl I ever dated. <laughs> she's like a pale attractive goth girl yeah and it's 1989 in London and it's like yeah that's not weird to see yeah. um, you probably you probably just saw a lot of girls that were like of that scene and thought yeah that's what I think death should look like exactly and then <laughs> and then saw her as a waitress and thought oh that's exactly what I had in my head was a girl yeah. like that <laughs> well it's also you, you've seen what like the character Dream or, or Sandman, you, you know what he looks like. Yeah, yeah. And it's very, very clear that Neil Gaiman himself was the inspiration for Dream's appearance because he just looks yeah, like yeah, Neil Gaiman. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it looks like a young Neil Gaiman. Yeah. So, like, the idea, I like the idea then that, like, Neil Gaiman's like, oh, I, I think I saw that, even though, like, well, that's what Annie Gock Girl would have looked like then. But also, he's walking around London and people are seeing him thinking, They've seen Dream from Sandman. Yeah, yeah. seeing the guy who created it. <laughs> I don't know why. I just thought that was so funny. So, uh, so is there any reports of people seeing Dream around London around that time? <laughs> <laughs> there, there has to be. Yeah, but but sticking with that, uh, Dave McKean, who who also worked on Hellblazer, but he has a better yeah. story of his encounter with uh, Death of the Endless. Uh, he claims that while he was traveling to San Diego, or no, he claims he just while he was traveling to San Diego, uh, somebody died on his plane. Oh wow! And the plane couldn't depart, and so they all had to get off the plane. And as he was waiting to reboard, he saw a girl walk, leave the plane, and he was just like, "She looks exactly like that from Sandman," and she even had like the eye makeup that she has. And then when he got yeah. back on the plane, he like walked up and down to like get a better look at her and he couldn't find her anywhere. Uh, so he just concluded, oh, well, her job was done. So she didn't get, she never got back on the plane. That's cool. <laughs> but now I don't know why he was going to San Diego, but I do have a bit of a problem with his claim because it's San Diego. He was, he's a comic book. Uh, yeah. Works in comic books. He's going to San Diego. I assume he was going to Comic-Con. 
<laughs> and there was probably a Batman and a Superman on the plane too. Yeah. I've just Googled the, how she looks in the comic book. Um, yeah. yeah. Pretty sure you dated her for three years. Um, <laughs> closer to five, I think. But but yeah, yeah, like she just looks like a a goth girl. Yeah. But I just thought that they were funny encounters. Uh that last one's a cool story, but I, I, I have I suspect he was on his way to Comic Comic Con and he just left that part out of the story. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a cool idea that someone died and then he saw a girl like that and then couldn't find her. So It's such a uh, it's a great story. That's cool. But it's just the San Diego part makes me, makes me think oh, yeah, there's a reasonable explanation. Yeah. Now, I do have one more uh, unrelated to John Constantine encounter, but uh, this one, it's not quite uh, an encounter with a fictional character, but uh, like a scarier event, really, uh, and just an example of uh, life imitating art, I guess. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting this fucking weird buzzing in my earphones that really threw me there. I don't know what the hell that was. Ooh. It was like uncomfortable. I'm, I am waiting for you to uh, introduce me to your new blonde trench coating housemate <laughs> at the end of this podcast that you just have sitting off camera the whole time we've been having this conversation. That would be an amazing yeah. ending. <laughs> just get like Gary cosplaying or something. Is Gary going to John Constantine? No, I must ask him because I know he has a trench coat. That's what I was thinking. Um, but yeah, so this is just an example more of like yeah life imitating art so um this is actually so this account comes from doug monach or monach i'm not sure how to pronounce his name i hadn't really heard of him before this uh but it's, it's described in a book called mutants and mystics science fiction superhero comics and the paranormal uh so that's where the or that book wrote about this encounter so Monich had just finished writing a scene for a Planet of the Apes comic book about a black-hooded gorilla named Brutus. The scene involved Brutus invading the the human hero's home where he grabbed the man's wife by the neck and held a gun to her head in order to manipulate the hero. And just as Doug was finished finishing up on this scene, he heard his wife in real life calling for him, calling out like help. Yeah, and he got up, uh, walked the length of the house, and entered the living room, only to encounter a man in a black hood, with one arm around his wife's neck and the other holding a gun. And he just, holy shit! And he described it. His words was, "It was exactly what I had just written. It was so so immediate in relation to what I had just been writing, and such an exact duplicate of what I had written that it became an." I became in an instant altered state. The air in the room congealed, became almost like fog, and yet, paradoxically, I could see with great, with greater clarity, clarity. I could see the individual treads on his black hood. Um, yeah, and apparently, so this writer he had like, natural. Obviously, this is a fucking terrifying. Uh, scene yeah, in yeah. general like but the fact that he'd literally just been right and the only difference was this wasn't this was an actual man not a planet of the apes gorilla man yeah yeah but um 
yeah, apparently just it had a torturous effect on him where he actually he was afraid to write for months afterwards. I get that. You'd think you created reality like that. Yeah. Um but and it affected him for years. <laughs> as it would. Uh an attack like that would anyway. Uh, everything worked out. Nobody got hurt. They were just being robbed. But um yeah, that, that that's a crazy that's nuts. Obviously, like, it's just a coincidence. Like, the home invasions happened and, like, eventually one was just going to happen the exact moment somebody was writing <laughs> about home invasion. Yeah, yeah. But, so it's not really as a supernatural or anything as the the previous, or at least the John Constantine ones. No, but that's crazy that you would just write exactly what then happened to you, though. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's, That'd be terrifying. That's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. It's like one of the scariest things you can imagine. <laughs> well, I suppose it, it has to have happened to somebody because yeah. of, uh, like, odds and coincidences and things like that. Um. <laughs> there, there is another one. Well, this isn't really one, uh, but people kind of confused it as being one. William Gibson. William Gibson. The author of the brilliant sci-fi novel Neuromancer, uh, and he's one of the creators of like the whole cyberpunk genre. He tweeted out in 2015, I think Milgram, Milgram is a character from his books, I think Milgram turned up a minute for a minute today at the casting window of my new book. Older, two kids, meticulously groomed, very nice suit, wasn't expecting that. Now, people mistook this as Gibson, meaning that he had, they thought he was at a book signing and that, like, his fictional character, Milgram, came up to him. Okay. He said there, during casting for my new book. So what he actually meant is, like, he was trying to create characters. And out of nowhere, a character he created 20 years ago just came into his mind, but as, as if they had aged in real time. Oh, okay. So he wasn't actually saying he encountered them in real life, that they just, he was just talking about the fact that like you never characters you create are always in there somewhere and sometimes they just pop back up in oh, your subconscious <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh, way to talk like an artist like yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the only reason i mention it is because the, the reason people thought that's what he was saying is because he's talked about tulpas on, on in some of his books i think but he's talked about tulpas on twitter before so people thought he the two are related because do you know what a tulpa is uh, sorry uh, no I don't yeah so I, I hadn't I think I'd heard the word before but I wasn't sure so a yeah. tulpa is a, a, it's a magical creature that attains uh, that becomes real essentially uh, after it's imagined uh, yeah. by somebody else it comes from a whole it's mysticism it's I think it's Tibetan yeah so a, a very famous internet example of an an alleged tulpa would be Slenderman. Yeah, yeah. so Slender enough people believe in him, they they make him reality. Like. Yeah, yeah. Slenderman was like a full urban legend that started as a meme, but then like went so viral that it ended up in books and movies and video games. And we're probably going to do an episode on it actually. <laughs> I'd say everything that has been said about Slenderman has been said. Yeah. I don't know, like, we could. Yeah, I don't know. 
We need a We're new trying tape. not to do any of the really obvious stuff, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, we don't Polybius, but I think I feel like Slender Man. It's like, it's almost like conspiracy. Like, it's, it's almost like going and doing a 9-11 episode of a conspiracy podcast. Like, <laughs> yeah. either do that as your first episode, which is like what Gordo done. It was their first because it's like such a big topic. Yeah, but yeah. like who who's coming back and doing like an in-depth deep dive at 9-11 now like yeah um but the point is anyway slender man became so popular that uh yeah you couldn't really escape it and people claimed that uh or at least callers to shows like coast to coast am claimed he he had become real um so it's believed or People, some people on the internet believe that he is a, a, a tulpa, a taught, a taught form that uh, was brought into existence. Yeah. Now, look, looking into tulpas will bring you down. Were you, sorry, were you going to say something there? No, it's because that's one of the theories with UFOs as well. Is that we've created them? Oh, really? That like they're sort of yeah. imagined into existence. Yeah, the only reason they exist is because we imagine them. Uh, I'd, I'd never really heard it in regards oh, okay. to UFOs. I think it's be, Slenderman's kind of the only one I remember really yeah. hearing of it being like dreamed into existence. Uh, I'm sure I've encountered it in like Stephen King novels before though. <laughs> yeah. But uh, looking into tulpas will bring you down some uh, seriously wild internet rabbit holes. Yeah. And I guess now this maybe if we do an episode on this as a whole topic, a lot of it would focus on Slender Man. That'd probably be yeah. the way to do it because this is crazy, and there's no way we, <laughs> we don't have time to go into to a fraction of this. So we yeah. we are going we we will have to do an episode on this because this shit is bonkers. Because okay. as it turns out, there are entire communities out there on places like Reddit and 4chan who believe themselves to be, can you guess, Tulpa Mansers. Ah, that so they is they can create. Yeah, these are like the, they're practitioners who think they can, um, who, who think the Tulpas are like sentient, sentient. And relatively autonomous beings that they can create with their with sheer will, and, okay. and essentially so, making making an imaginary friend. Yeah, wow. So is is the idea that say there's like there's a blank uh, automaton or unit that's out there that's just needs and it's like a supernatural being that has no specific features or identity and then it absorbs the idea and becomes the idea. so it's the physical being but it has no like for example because it has no uh identity of its own like they could yeah. be in every room in every like there could be one in a room with you right now but you couldn't see it or hear it but it exists until you give it in existence, but it's actually a real physical thing that's just outside the realm of our reality until we bring it into our reality. And then you give it form. Hmm. I like that theory. I I don't rather than them coming out of nothing, you know what I mean? You are giving you're giving form to something that exists. Yeah. I don't think like I like that theory, but I'm not sure that's how they see it because yeah. especially when it comes to like 
I guess I'm thinking it because we're, the idea of doing it with fictional characters. I know what you mean. But I don't know. Possibly that's... Well, the thing, like, like all these communities, they all sprinkle off into different subgroups and that. And I'm sure you can never really put them all into one box yeah. either. You know, I'm sure some believe, like, think that, oh, well, that part is absolutely ridiculous. We believe this. Yeah. <laughs> but they're still talking about just what I would consider absolutely bonkers things. But anyway, so with these communities, the, the Tulpamancers, just such a funny word. Uh, these communities uh, became very popular with the adult fans of a certain show, a certain children's cartoon. Can you guess who I'm going to talk about here? No. An adult fan base of a, of a kid's show. My Little Pony. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was just about to say bronies. Um. So they started discussing tulpas of characters from the show yeah. that they were attempting to will into existence and, and make their imaginary friends through uh, meditation and lucid dreaming techniques. And it will come as no surprise to you that uh, yeah. some of these Tulpamancers, particularly the ones with the crossover to the adult My Little Pony fans, uh, they have sexual and romantic relationships with their Tulpas. Oh, uh, no way. <laughs> Never saw that coming, did you? No, you just sometimes you just you just gotta fuck a pony, you know? <laughs> Especially the imaginary ones. Now this specific breed of Tulpa Mancers are very few, like obviously yeah. the community in their low hundreds, but um the the actual Tulpa, like um the non my little pony ones or the non-ones yeah. that have romantic relationships, uh, they're not small at all. So they're subreddit. And the full title is Tulpas, Intelligent Companions Imagined Into Existence. It has 42,000 users. Fucking hell, that's <laughs> a lot of people. And they all seem to believe it. The, the description of the subreddit is, ever wondered that what it would be like to have a mental companion who can think and act on their own? That's what a tulpa is. Discuss tulpas. Share your experience with having tulpas. And give advice to fellow tulpa creators here. Wow. So is is it creating a alternative personality, but this is just in your head, as in someone you have a conversation with and they respond? Or are they talking about that is bringing a physical being into existence they're talking about bringing a physical being into existence I'd say your first description is probably like what is actually happening but they're not seeing it that way they're seeing it as actually creating a physical being the only they can see yeah wow Um, I had a a look through some of the posts and like it is the, the people there are very much serious about this stuff I think we will have to do an episode on that whole world. Yeah, we'll have to do a deep dive on that. But it, it, it is crazy. Uh, do you think that maybe that's what happened with Alan Moore? That he just created a tulpa? Oh, that's a really good point. Because he's into magic and stuff. And he said magic, uh, he was at a magical rit- the time John Constantine called him a cunt. <laughs> or said and- any cunt could do it. Uh, it was a magical yeah. ritual, so... And do you think then the one, 
he created is the one everyone else has seen? No, I think maybe because he created he one and he told this story that then maybe other people accidentally created their own unbeknownst to them, or they just saw Sting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or they just saw, saw Sting. Um, that's a really good answer <laughs> to it. Is, uh, well, that, that's what I was, that was kind of what I thought as well when you were talking about, especially when you're talking about the, when you're telling me the story of that ritual and I'm coming out of, it's like, did he, did he will him into existence? That thought did pop into my head. Um, cause it's a character he's just thought so much about and so in depth that to him, John Constantine was so real that he became real. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, what an amazing storyline for John Constantine to discover <laughs> that he's, his whole life, his existence is, he's he's actually came from the imagination of like a writer yeah yeah so he he really like in the world of constantine in the comic book like he exists in the world he has all the interactions he has and stuff but then he discovers that he's actually only existed for like 20 years not say 60 60 years that he he thinks he is you know yeah yeah that like uh that he's a f- official character who's become to real life. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. That <laughs> just reminded me, have you, well, I think when you were a kid, you watched the Spider-Man animated series from the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Can you remember when they did the Secret Wars storyline? Or no, it was like a, it was where Spider-Man from all these different universes have to come together for some reason. Oh, very vague. But there's one. Yeah. There's one of them that just they all have different powers. They're like variants yeah. to some degree. But then there's one of them that just he looks exactly like the main Spider-Man, but he just can't do anything. He's got no powers, and he can never help them. <laughs> and yeah. in the end, or so each universe, despite each universe of the Spider-Man is being destroyed, and that's why they have to work together to save it. Yeah. yeah. But in the very end it's revealed that in this Spider-Man's universe, he's just an actor on TV. Oh, I remember you telling me this before. Yeah. And the person who created him is going to like retire the character or something. Yeah. And then they go to his universe and it's Stan Lee and the real Spider-Man yeah. meets that it's bizarre. <laughs> I think it was like... That the, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. I think it was like the last episode as well. Um, but it's kind of like that, I guess. That's what I was, what I was getting at. Because, cause they do a bit of. There's a bit of weird things where in, um, it's not specific, but there's some in say some Marvel characters would refer to like Superman as a comic book character, yeah, and vice versa, yeah. In the DC universe, someone might refer to like Spider-Man or something, you know. And so it's like a weird loop where they're fictional in each other's universes. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, always weird when I hear like, yeah, Superman referenced in a Marvel movie and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's strange. Um, it's a good way to do it, though. Slightly related. But I sent you today, I don't know if you saw on Instagram, I sent you this thing about the Japanese man who married a hologram. Oh, I yeah, think? I saw it. I didn't actually, I didn't click it. I just saw, saw the headline. Okay, yeah. So, because I think it's slightly related. And again, this would be a good standalone episode, but it 
it kind of makes it's so things you imagine becoming real mm. is obviously the one way to do that is with technology. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so there was, I'd forgotten about this story. There was a man in J- Japan who married a hologram of like this virtual woman. And apparently he can now no longer communicate with his virtual wife because the software that allowed the interaction is no longer supported and the man can no longer interact with the hologram with which he had a relationship for years. <laughs> like, and I just think it's so sad. Isn't it like, you know, you know, when you update a piece of software you have and you're like, ah, oh, fuck it, I should have kept the old yeah. version. It was way better. Or it let me, I was able to do this one thing or I was able to connect like this. Like Windows 11 device. not having a drag and drop. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, like whatever, like it is. And then you're like, oh no, I really like that feature, but it's your wife. <laughs> you can't access it. Anymore. I mean, Jesus, how, I, I must read that story. Cause like how did, hologram technology? Like, Yeah, it's just a screenshot of the story. I need to find the actual, the full story. Uh, well, so we're, we're about ready to wrap up, but I, I would have to ask you, it'd be crazy to, to finish up without asking uh yeah if you could meet one fictional character who would it be um well you see this is the this is where this gets very difficult for me All right because i've already met a fictional character oh and it's you john <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> see when i was in college i was a bit lonely and i had no friends so i invented one <laughs> That's a great. And here I am, sixteen <laughs> years later, and I do a podcast with you. <laughs> so nobody else can ever hear my voice. It's you, just you talking to yourself. Well, <laughs> pop a version with just your audio file. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't make any sense. Um, yeah, like people would have to listen to the end for it to make sense. And who's going yeah. to listen to a man talk to himself when yeah. nobody? Well, I say this because for a long time there was people like my wife who would easily go like two years at AC yeah. in person. Yeah. But I would always be like going off to meet you to record an episode or oh, going out for a drink or whatever. Long before we'd done podcasts and stuff. Like you'd be yeah, yeah. always out on the phone to me, but nobody saw me. Yeah. yeah she wasn't even sure you existed. I think it was mainly like at parties or that because I'd always like come much later. And like you'd be like, oh yeah, Johnny's coming. <laughs> and then like, so we, we started the joke that, uh, so we started doing a parties where we take a photo of say you, me and someone else. And then we take the same photo, but you're not there. In it. Yeah. So it's how you and see it. Like, so it's like how I see the world and then how everyone else sees the world. So how I see the world is you're standing there with me in the photo. And then everyone I else just sees me by myself. That. That, so. that was one of my favorite jokes. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was loads of photos on Facebook of you with your arm around an invisible person. And I'd be t- I even had as like my profile picture for like five years, just a picture of you with your arm around an invisible person. Oh, yeah. And there was even one or two where we got it just right that if I I was able to layer the photos that you were just like slightly faded and it just looked really weird and creepy like you were a ghost. Oh, I Uh, forgot completely about that. 
That was so funny. Yeah. So we had a few so maybe you were a, a tope it was a topa or topal? Sorry. Uh Tolpa. How do you pronounce Tolpa? Topa. Topa. Oh Tol- Tolpa. Tolpa, yeah. I think. Ah, T U L. Oh, sorry, yeah, I forgot all about those photos. I used to have one with Darren too, where like I'd take a photo of him beside him we'd both hold up our fists and then I'd upload it and say, Oh, oh met this Olympic legend last night and people would like it and like pretend yeah. they knew who he was. Like, cause if you take if you make a fist in a photo of anybody, people always assume it's an athlete. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> you did it with my wife at like I think it was like her 27th birthday or something. And there's a picture of you holding up your fist as if she was like some, uh, some like some fighter. Yeah. Some like Irish boxer or something. Uh, <laughs> so, so to turn the question around on you, is there any fictional character you'd like to meet? If I could only pick one, um, I don't know. I don't really, yeah, I don't, it probably would be John Constantine to be honest. He's a pretty cool character. Yeah, I think I'd actually go with John Constantine. I'm not sure if I would have, if you asked me that question, not knowing any of this stuff. Yeah, it's a good choice. Yeah, or maybe, like, maybe a vampire, like like Dracula, that have stories. Yeah, yeah, because he's lived so yeah. long. Yeah, you don't want to meet a fictional character who isn't, like, in his 20s or something. Yeah, someone really I'm really dead <laughs> from Sandman. She's pretty hot, like. <laughs> well, what if, okay, well, if, no, I suppose you answered, but... It, uh, and a fictional character that isn't me. <laughs> Would you have one? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Now, I'm not sure if, if Tulpas turn out to be real. I'm not sure if I would will one into existence to be my imaginary friend. Because that would be a nightmare. Like having yeah. any, like, <laughs> Tulpa, <laughs> like, around you the whole time would... I was going to say would drive you crazy, but no, you were already crazy to have a Tulpa. I, I think. No, but it would still drive you crazy. Like, uh, I suppose the whole point is if you willed them into existence, then you'd want to have them around yeah. all the time. But we'll do it. We will do a whole uh, episode on them. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Like, obviously, I don't think any of these people met. I don't think John Constantine is real, just to, to clarify with people. But I do think it's a fascinating story. It's incredible. <laughs> do now do you think... Um, because we, we've talked about it, will you be thinking about it too much? What the what are the chances that one of us will think we see John Constantine at some point in the future? Oh, definitely, that's yeah. definitely gonna happen now. <laughs> um, because there is like oh, I don't, I don't want to go down a big long road in it, but there is a little bit of you know, um, willpower, and th- this is one of these things I, I probably say a lot is I do think. As a species, we don't quite understand the full power of our own minds. And whether that is creating something physical from nothing probably takes it a bit far, but willing certain things in your life or having a perception of something that's about to happen or like stuff like deja vu. A lot of them say it's like, oh, for some reason, a memory went through your long-term memory instead of your short-term memory. Yeah. I, I get a lot of deja vu. Same, yeah. Happens to me a lot. And um, it's, and I, I find I very clearly remember 
but even even to the point where like I, I get deja vu to the point where I might or I'll have a dream and then like months later it's deja vu I'm remembering what happened in that dream because and I've had it where I've I've told my wife about it say this thing happened in a dream and then when it would happen in real life I'd be like do you remember like I was like I just had deja vu do you remember I told you about this dream and she'd be like that sounds familiar like yeah you know it's not I'm not the only one who's who's experiencing that you know that there is and I think there's just yeah I think the uh something to do with kind of metaphysical (laughs) things so like the brain is works on so many yeah. different layers that we don't fully understand or comprehend. Yeah, because like, you hear about it, it's quite common for people. It happens to people a lot when a relationship ends and when they like can't really get over the person and are thinking about them a lot. They start talking about how like they keep seeing them everywhere. Like they'll be at a party and see them and like suddenly, oh, they lived, they lived 20 miles away when we were together, but I think they're living in like my building now because I keep seeing them in the hall but like they're not seeing them they're just like yeah. seeing somebody who looks slightly like them and they're making yeah, yeah. Connect, their brains making a quick connection um the signals can get crossed in the brain so easily like it's yeah and it could just be simply that yeah, yeah most people just don't understand it uh, there are illnesses out there where people will just block out certain things like they'll be looking down the street and they might only see everything that's on the left side of the road they're just like yeah that is an actual like that is an illness like even like they won't see anything on the left so like you put their dinner on a plate they will only see the food that's on the right side of the plate and the rest of the plate will be white <laughs> like the brain is able to like block that out and as far as they it's crazy. as far as they think and see only half the plate has yeah. food on it. It's bonkers, but it's completely real. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, like with the yeah. relationship thing, or, you know, you hear parents with, when they lose a kid, like often like start seeing them in public and stuff. That's a big problem yeah, with yeah. kids that go missing, being spotted years later. Yeah. And like that whole, the whole thing of like hysterical mothers up running up and grabbing mm. like somebody else's kid in a playground and be like, this is my child. And then, and then they look at the child again. Like, yeah. It's nothing yeah. like that. But there was kid. just one thing that just sent um, them a signal to the brain. Yeah. Um, there was a really cool episode of the X-Files where there's this guy who's like an assassin and so weird you mentioned the X-Files. Turns out he was, they somehow, some experimental, like, I think it was like some MK Ultra experiment where they figured out to make him exist in your blind spot. So you can't actually see him. And the way oh, wow. they kept doing it was like, I don't remember that people would funny. be looking, they couldn't see him in a crowd and he could be like standing, like walking right towards you. And then you'd get like, your tear duct would bleed a little a bit or something because you're like basically you were having like a mini stroke because whatever yeah. signal he he created as a person and like just scrambled your brain a little bit and you couldn't see him so he wasn't actually invisible he was he was just people couldn't perceive him yeah, yeah. Or something that's like class that. um and it was really cool i think Mulder then figured out how to see him whatever you had to look you had to not look directly at him. You had to look for him in your peripheral vision or whatever it was. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. But it was really cool. But but it just kind of leads into that kind of 
Uh, I must watch that episode again. An everyday again. version of it that everybody will have experienced would be where, like, like say you have, like, a black dog and you go in your yeah. living room and one day there just happens to be, like, a, a black cushion on the ground that wouldn't normally be there. If you see that with the corner of your eye, you'll just think it's the dog. And as far as you, you will have seen, like, the shape of the dog, just because that's what you'd normally expect yeah, to yeah. be on the floor of the kitchen or whatever. And then it's only when you re-look and you see, oh, it's a pillow that fell off the couch. And it's like, how would any sane person mistake that for a dog? But you didn't really. Your brain just... Yeah, it's a square. Yeah, your, your brain just <laughs> don't just made a fake image to, in a quick, like, millionth of a millisecond to just make a connection. It's Yeah. Yeah, your brain fills in the gap. It's the same. There's cool samples with um, text where they leave out loads of letters of mm. words and you read like a yeah. paragraph and you never notice the words are missing. Um, apparently, it doesn't really work on uh, dyslexic mm. people. But yeah. It works on normal people. Because <laughs> I remember doing a couple of those and I was like, yeah, this is a lot of gibberish. What the fuck is this? And then other people are reading and going, why? What's wrong with it? And like, can I read it again slowly? And they're like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> I just realized. Just the frame rate of film. Like yes. Yeah. Doing most of the work yourself. Just filling in the gaps. Yeah, yeah. It's mad. Or like animate, flash animation is the best example. Like where you're, like, you're seeing like fluid movements, but it's like five frames a second. Like, Yeah, yeah. Like your brain just fills in all the blanks. But so the point is, if you've been slaving over a comic book for months writing about a character, you, you might start seeing them out in public. Yeah, that's I think uh, that was a cool topic. But I would like to believe John Constantine is out there, still waiting for him to walk on camera. <laughs>